Imagine building an organization that provides not just for you and your family, but for the families of hundreds more. A brand recognized as a leader in your field. Why is it that some leaders are able to inspire a team and have a profound impact on our world, while others attempt to beat their teams into submission through micromanagement and managers who, regardless of title, are not leaders, costing their business to lose great talents and resources through attrition and toxic culture, ultimately running a great brand right into the ground? There is something else at play here, and we want to know why. It's your brand. Protect it. Welcome to Brandology Podcast. I'm your host, Mark Mosier, alongside co-host David Morrow. We explore great leaders, great brands, and the reasons why they succeed. We also take a look at stories of toxic cultures and the fall of some iconic brands. We'll play brand trivia and interview some of the leading entrepreneurs in today's business world. Before we get started, let's explain why two ridiculous grown men started this podcast in the first place. David and I want to let everyone understand why we do what we do. Think about what a brand actually is. It's what others say about you and your organization after you leave the room. And we want to protect that reputation. Data breaches literally destroy brands that have been around for generations. We've seen it with our own eyes. When trust is broken, brands are severely damaged and often irreparably. If you take pride and joy in your brand, which you should, because it's everything that matters, then take the necessary steps to protect it from cyber threats. A data breach is a breach of trust. So come talk to us at All Company. We have a national footprint with local offices to help keep your brand in business. It's your brand. Protect it. Yeah. So welcome everybody to Brandology Podcast. I'm your host, David Morrow. And in the studio today is the phantasmic <laughs> co-host, Mark Mosher. Your Mark, descriptive you? terms of me get better every time, David. I, I really appreciate that. I have that that app for uh, insincere things to say to coworkers. That's it. And That's it works it. really well. It's, I know. I know your source fantastic. of gratitude now. They gave me <laughs> doing well. Now tell us about our special guest we've got today. This is incredible. We have, and I'm going to probably pronounce it incorrectly, <laughs> but we have Bex Beer, which um, perfect. All right. Well, who who knew? Um, so all the way from Dorset, right outside of London, England, and I very uh, uh, grateful that you're joining us today. Good afternoon. Good evening. Good good evening from the UK. Probably good afternoon from wherever you're located. Yeah, yeah, we're in the heart of me. Smack dab in the middle of America. <laughs> yeah. So Perfect. They don't let us near the coasts. We, we tried <laughs> going to both coasts. They don't they don't No, they us. said no. no. Yeah, they just they said, said no. no. They just said turn around boys. Go back <laughs> where you're from. So um, you. they're trying to contain you. Yes. <laughs> so so tell us the so we have a huge election today. Big, big uh, election mm-hmm. day. We don't talk politics. We talk brands, leadership, culture, yeah. things like that. But politics is involved indirectly. We don't want to get political, talk about which side anybody is on, etc. But what's the um, what's the view in general about uh, the ramifications of it? You, you were mentioning tomorrow you have a lot of uh, interviews already set up post-election. 
Yes. So really, whatever happens in America affects the whole world, whether it is extended market We just don't know. We're busy going driving through drive No, trust me. Whatever you guys are doing, I'm going to be picking up the pieces tomorrow. So I'm excited to see how you're all voting and choosing and electing. Well, that's cool. Well, that's cool. Yeah, I mean, it's weird that um, I, I realized that what, what I realized when I traveled to England years ago was um, how much other people knew about Ohio and Illinois and Chicago and everything else. We don't know jack about <laughs> Dorset County, England. We, I'm, like, I'm just Not saying, interesting. yeah, I'm just saying, like, if, if you just ask a typical American going through a drive through, right, grabbing their Starbucks you know, and their egg bites or whatever, right? They don't know much about the small towns or the central areas. They know about London, right? They know about yeah. Paris, but they don't know about the, all of the different cultural aspects. We're very, we're very geocentric here. Yeah. And I, I mean, I lived in Arizona when I was younger. So I, I do you understand. You said your sister lives here? Your sister lives oh, wow. in Yeah, she lived in Utah. She lived in Alpine, Utah. Oh, wow. She's great for skiing. No, yeah. You gotta go Beautiful. fly, but not allowed to fly right now. And right. then you have to wait for a while. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Oh, I love the cool. state. Very cool. So um, let's start from the top. Tell us, you know, who you are, what all it is that you do. Um, yeah. You're quite busy. You're uh, you're you're hard to pin down. So this is good. I appreciate <laughs> you being able to be with us. So tell us all that 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 you do. Okay. So my name is Bex Beer. You hit the nail on the head. Um, I am a mother, I am a paddle boarder, but mostly I am a multi-business owner. I've started different consultancy companies, doing a lot of branding, IT creation, um, and my biggest company is called Avec UK, and it develops a lot of private label products and IP for large global retailers. And we deal with licensed brands as well, so um, we deal okay, so with crafts and gifts and stationery. Okay, so let's 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 drill down because I'm not sure everybody would understand what that means. So when you say uh, you you develop a lot of IP for brands or you mm -hmm. help them push out their IP, you're talking about intellectual property. Yes, intellectual property. So we develop logos and trademarks. We look at creating brand style guides, brand tone of voice. We then roll that out into packaging and product that you can then go into a store and buy and then take home and craft with and have stationary ranges and crafting ranges and homeware ranges. So yeah, so we create the inside and the outside and then the whole tone of voice and packaging and marketing around a brand fundamentally. Oh, very cool, very cool. And how did you get started in that? It, it's a funny story. Um, I'm not professionally trained, but I have always had a knack and ability to see a product, um, see what sells, and then um, market it. So I kind of fell into my career and learned first through publishing magazines and um, other titles like that. And then I started a distribution company that actually distributed a lot of American scrapbooking goods. And then from there, I um, worked for another company that headhunted me. And then I was like, I'm just, I want, don't want to make anyone else rich. I would much rather start my own business. And I did that in 2012. And it's just gone from strength to strength to strength. 
and we started really much in the craft industry and now it's very multi-category because fundamentally if you can design and develop a product you can do that in any different category right um, and that's what we do so let me ask you this when you are developing a the intellectual property or a brand with yeah. a company what are the types of questions that you ask so here here's mark he owns a i don't know a barbecue dating service <laughs> somebody that loves barbecue and that has an online dating service that sounds like him okay that's so right. I, like him. I tease him about that because he has this like, <laughs> pretty he has this picture of him like 50 pounds lighter and like 15 years younger and he's like those were my online dating days so i'm like <laughs> okay boss and so combine that with the kentucky barbecue and we have a barbecue dating service so okay. what, and what would you say to him like how, how do you develop the brand what would his would be Number one, Mark, share the photos with me. Number two, it's it's like, who is your target consumer? Who are you trying to sell to? So we start first with the end in mind. Like who, what age are they? What gender are they? What are their spending habits? Where do they go shop? Like describe who you want to buy your product. And then we pull it apart and almost like reverse engineer it. Um, so you tell, and we say, okay, where do you want to price this product? you want it to be high premium price products? Do you want it to be mid-range? Where can you see this product on sale? So you ask all the questions and you kind of start at the end. Like who are you selling to? How do you want them to use it? What's gonna make you different? And then you reverse engineer. Because once I understand, is this gonna be a mid-range? You selling this for 20 bucks? You selling it for 50 bucks? Is this high end? Oh my goodness, I can go all out then if it's all high end. Or um, do you want to do volume value? I can't imagine Mark wants to do volume value. I can see he's a classic guy. He wants to go at least mid to high end. You I know. Read him like a I know. Oh yeah, you're he's reading him read like a book. He's, he's good. She's really good. Top shelf guy. Yeah, it's the <laughs> high end barbecue. It's not the roadhouse. <laughs> not the roadhouse drive by barbecue that, yeah. that that he wants to develop intellectual property. Ladies and so. gentlemen. Exactly. You start there. You ask about the end. And then you can build it back and go, what's important to you? What are the values? Like, why would you see someone buying it? Welcome, everyone, to Brand Culture Trivia. It's different or it's the same, but it's cheaper, so it's more affordable than the massive brands that are out there. Like, can we just dig into what's going to make this different? What are the rules and the Where do you want to position it? Absolutely. The rules are When you say USP for the listeners, what do you mean? I know what you mean, but I do this for a while. Wins a point. So it's a unique selling proposition. Wins the game. What makes it different? What's your Simon Sinek what right? If those like, are yeah. absolutely what's, what makes you unique, but and we might say why should anybody claim? So let's yeah. get started like with brand You had touched on something you had just mentioned that, David, I, that I really like the wheel of um, and, and that I want to explore a little bit further. When you mentioned the value, what is the value? And you're helping these organizations develop that value. Where does that stand in the importance of branding? Is this value a minimum thing? Is that high level? Is that what the brand is? Is the value of the brand? I, I kind of know, but I'd like to hear your thoughts. Well, um, the values of the brand have to come across in, in tone of voice, in almost fonts, in visuals, 
in what's the packaging style, like everything. When someone picks up your product and sees it and touches it and feels it, it's a feeling. A value of something is how you feel about something. And it's about us interpreting that and translating that into a reality. So that's the value of your brand. But that's, that's my explanation. No, that's really good. That's what I was getting at. That's what I wanted to uh, to convey to the listeners as well. So being a part of that, and as I, as I did some research on you, I see um, some reoccurring themes. And a lot of it seems to be around uh, culture. Uh, David and I share a very fundamental belief, as we often speak of, uh, that culture can really drive a business or even grow a business. Where do, where do you stand on culture being a part of the brand? It's fundamental. It is the foundation. Absolutely. It's the same. In my business, the culture is is number one. Number one. Everything emanates from the culture. So I want to I want to I want to challenge you a little bit because and I'm it's not I'm not just challenging you, but it's because almost every guest that we have is saying almost the same thing. And my question mm-hmm. is, what happened to the boiler room culture people then? What happened to the Wolves of Wall Street and the people that were like, we're going to ring our employees. We're going to uh, micromanage them. We're going to make them work. We don't care what they think. We don't care what they feel. We want to, you know, basically, um, you know, beat them into submission because that's the way to really get people to produce more. Because that was the belief when I was growing up. Like when, when I was in my young 20s, every boss I had was like that. And I just kind of dodged them and went to the more reasonable managers and, and, and found inspiration to them until I could be a leader and a manager and made sure I never did that. So, so w- w- when you are coming across to brands, do you, you must meet people like that. And then you have to kind I've, of... I've worked for someone like that. Like that's my own business. <laughs> yeah, I think well, we all have it. We one all have. Right. It's not a sustainable business model, though, right? No, it's it not. collapses it on itself. No. It does. That you business lose, it is non-extinct. Is it, why, yeah. is it, why is it not a sustainable business model? I guess that's my question to you, Mark, and, and, and Bex. Like, why why isn't it? Well, age before beauty, Mark, so you answer first. Yeah, I I don't think that she one is not sustainable because there's no uh, there's no longevity to she it. She said you're older. That, you know. that, and she I said you're with, older, and I agree with her. Yeah, I would <laughs> that's okay, Bex. I remember when I was 31, so it's you know I'll let you go next. So that's no problem. No, I think there's no longevity to it. There's no end game. You can never reach the end or the goal. Um, because the, the, you can't sustain it. People won't put up with that. People won't live. People want to be a part of something they can share the same vision or something they buy mm-hmm. into the same dream or something they, they have the same goal. Hey, Mark, are you excited about this uh, 2021 Female Leadership Summit? Oh, David, this is going to be incredible. I can't wait. I am, I am really pumped about it. The 2021 Brandology Female Leadership Summit is going to be your opportunity to access a wealth of leadership insight from a world-class faculty we've put together, ready to equip and inspire you, regardless of your field or industry. Yeah, so each chosen leader will provide a short five to 10 minute presentation on culture, on leadership and practical ways to help you succeed. Um, There'll also be a panel discussion on hot topics. Uh, The belief 
Email leadership matters. It is more important today than ever before. Absolutely. That's why the 2021 Brandology Female Leadership Summit will give you access to this unique group of world-class faculty who will share their distinct perspectives, inspiring and equipping you with practical skills you can use right away. So don't miss the 2021 Female Leadership Summit only on Brandology Podcast. So subscribe and download the episodes to be notified of this upcoming event. And as always, thank you for listening. Thank you. But see, yeah. I, and I think that's a that's a great delineator between Hang leadership. Tight. So that's really where uh, David and I tend to delineate between leadership and management. One of those key indicators really is is back to that shared vision. Like you said, you 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 share it with them. You you communicate with them, and it's yeah. it's that shared drive and that shared purpose that I think really makes leaders good, and they want to see their people and their team. Uh, move towards that goal or move towards that vision uh, is what creates a, a true leader and, and obviously shows a poor manager immediately. Yeah, absolutely. We have a, a saying and a, a kind of culture um, within our team called A players. We say really we need and expect ourselves to be A players. We only want to hire A players. <laughs> um, we don't want the Bs, the Cs. Like, and, and then we hold each other accountable and it makes it so much easier to lead because you've got a team of people that actually peer-to-peer lead each other. And um, and you don't need to hold them tight, like micromanaging or even managing, because they fundamentally are self-motivated and self-initiating um, incredible innovation. So yeah, it's what makes a difference. How, uh, do you, how would you explain the difference between people that are managers and people that are leaders? Um, Managers, I think, are very much like they've got all the answers. Um, so they literally dissipate their thinking and it's their way or the highway. Um, leaders, I think, involve everyone and engage everyone in conversations. Yeah. And, and then they're very much integral and everyone is a stakeholder in decision making. And leaders just almost allow others to flourish. Whereas managers suppress leaders kind of lift, lift individuals up and that's where an entire organization can really um, drive and thrive is through multiple people. It's not one leader in any business as well. You can have multiple leaders. I mean, I read so many football analogies and books and things like that and they talk about how really good coaches and team play, like it's all about the captain and all of this kind of stuff and, and I really, really can see that within our team. The multiple leaders, not one. Absolutely. Yeah. And I, I think that one of the things too is leaders have to be great followers, right? They have to, like when you're in a team environment, based on the project or the task, somebody that wasn't leading earlier might be leading now. And so everybody has to be willing to follow. And what I find is managers aren't willing to do that. Managers are power hungry and they have to always mm -hmm. be in charge. And it's like, well, you don't know the most about this. So that's not your role you need to follow now, let them lead, and then the team advances, we accomplish that task, and then we move on and somebody else is the leader. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I think managers, there's a little ego in there. Yeah. Um, there's a little about self-preservation. It may be, feel threatened, but leaders are never threatened by someone smarter in the room. In fact, they wanna be in that room with right. people that are smarter than them, that have got better answers, 
that can challenge them, thoughtfully disagree with them. Leaders are not like egotistical and they can kind of just embrace change and, and, they, and they value others' input. I, that's how I would differentiate them. So how did, you, how did you figure all this out? Like, was there an event or a person in your life who either mentored you or inspired you? We've all had those managers or bosses when we were younger that kind of would try and beat everybody down and we dodged them. But what is it that triggered you to, to get it? If you know what I mean. It, it, it's a, and it's not one person. That's the thing. It, it can be multiple people, people that you see. Like I said, I worked for a company with an incredibly challenging CEO. And I remember thinking, I would never want to be like this. If I had a team, mm -hmm. I would be counter everything that he does, he did. And, um, and then I, um, I actually worked with my brother is my commercial director in the business. He, he joined the business in eight, 18 months ago. And he's my older brother by quite a, many years. Well, being the boss of your older brother is, is, is a rather interesting dynamic, but I tell you what, the value and the experience that he brings respectfully, it's, it's been a phenomenal experience and he has taught me a lot. And because we can thoughtfully disagree and engage in a respectful way, I've learned tons from him, but I read voraciously. I'm curious. I talk to so many people. I talk to business leaders. I talk to the people that I am interviewing. I interview every single person that joins this company. And I will ask them what was great about their, their, their previous business. Why are they looking to leave? Like, what is it that they would want to bring? And I can learn again how not to do things, but also what do I want to bring? How do I want to change? I do not have all the answers. That's for sure. So I'm always looking for how can I get better? How can we do this better? And I think that's what it is, is that um, curiosity of whether it's books. I just like smart people. I just will talk to people all the time. And I'm always like, oh my goodness, let's let's integrate that into something. And my team will laugh because I will literally go, I've just read a book over the weekend. And we're now gonna, like, what does everyone think about this? Um, so yeah, I think that's not one person, not one event, many people, many events, and it's constant. Excellent. How many how many people are on your core team? Like how many people do you keep in your circle of trust, comfort, <laughs> circle of trust? <laughs> uh, yeah, to, to use a Simon Sinek phrase and Brene Brown and Seth Godin, like you know, who's in your circle of trust? The, um, I would say there's probably between about six and eight people. Yeah. I mean, I have two execs. So there's the three of us on the exec team, but really there is a fundamental core people within the business that have been here, not from day dot, but have been either within the business seven years, five years, three years, and have sort of seen it through all of the flux. I've seen me through a lot of the flux and I trust them and they're loyal and I can be my most authentic, vulnerable, flawed self with them and I know that they won't judge and I know that they'll give me incredible feedback. You can be yourself. You can just be real yeah. to them. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And I'll encourage the listeners while we're talking about team members uh, to go to the website uh, .com. Uh And the reason I say this is because when you go to the about page and you start looking at her team, one of the things I noticed right away is everybody's got like this genuine candid smile on them. And I'm looking, I'm like, oh, look at this one. And then some of them are making faces. And this is the team website. Well, then I start looking at the names. And you've got, um, here we've got Alice, Crazy Cat Lady. Uh, we've got Mel, who is the Pocket Rocket. 
Uh, we've got Penny, lover of dinosaurs. Uh, Vic is a creative pixie. And it just goes on and on. And I'm looking at this and I'm like, well, no wonder these people are smiling. Hey, everybody. Uh, Mark and I are really excited about the upcoming episode with Brian Scudamore, CEO and founder of 1-800-GOT-JUNK and many other brands. He is well-known. He's been on Oprah. He's been in Forbes magazine. He's written Wall Street Journal articles. You know his brands. We can't wait for you to meet him and have access to all of his wisdom in terms of culture and branding. As always, thank you for listening, and please don't forget to subscribe and download all of our episodes so that you get notice. And don't miss the upcoming episode with Brian Scudamore. That's when, you know, David was saying about leaders is, is you do follow, you do roll your sleeves up. There is nothing that's above or below you. It's everyone in it together, and, and hopefully that comes across. But really within our business, and especially this year, that's exactly how it has worked. Um, it's how we operate with each other. Oh, that's wonderful. Now that's, and it's unique um, to uh, successful brands. So we've been really fortunate, really blessed that uh, a lot of the leaders that we've had on here have been incredibly successful. And I notice a lot of similarities between a lot of them, a lot of similar traits, um, a lot of similar leadership styles. But the one thing I think that I always see that, that, connects all of them is the culture that they develop around them um and it seems the very successful ones have really great uh individual cultures and recognize each other and hold each other accountable but are still at some level connected you know on a friendship because they share that vision and they share that goal so yeah when i saw that about yours i was like yeah she's she definitely gets this (laughs) i think one of my favorite quotes ray dalio says about meaningful work and meaningful relationships and he doesn't make them mutually exclusive. And I, it was a revelation for me. I was like, yes, I'm allowed to care about the people I work with. I'm allowed to feel affection for those that I work with and lead. It's not like, I remember being told um, about a decade ago, business is not personal. It's the worst advice. Of course, business is personal. You're dealing with people every day. And I remember just thinking, well, for me, business is personal. Like I do want um, to engage with people and to work with people that I genuinely want to champion, that I want to mentor, that I want to see succeed. And when you're engaged and you're invested in their success, like then everyone's winning. So yeah, that was one piece of advice I just threw out. Yeah, no, and I th- and I think that's you know it's true because if you look at the um, the amount of time we spend with our teammates, and then the amount of time that we actually were awake and spending with our family. Uh, Sometimes one may outweigh the other that you wouldn't hear like, okay, I do spend a lot of time. You can't help but get to know them on a personal level. And, and, you know, a lot of that, I think, I see that uh, amongst our team that, that, you know, we share a lot of things with each other. And and it's genuine. It's like, hey, you know, how was dinner the other night with your your partner? You know, you guys were going out. How was it? Did you enjoy, you know, just things like that, I think, just continues to strengthen that bond and, and build that culture. Absolutely. You you look at things like the speed of trust, the way you trust each other and you've got loyalty, it means that it goes beyond the surface. So a lot of times we, we look at the whole person and it is holistic. It's like if someone feels anxious about something, it, it isn't just like you walk through the door in the office and you suddenly become this robot. Right. Who you are and how you feel, like it's all, you bring all of yourself to work. So we're, I'm interested in all of it. And likewise, we're all interested. I mean, we we understand what's going on. Like we paddleboard together 
or we'll be out doing cheese and wine nights together or we'll like right. like spending time out of the office together we genuinely like each other um, yeah, I like I like yeah. the idea of sushi and wine night. Uh, we may <laughs> we, we may we may share that idea with the team. I may bring that on. That's uh, that's really good. I like that. It's a lot of fun. <laughs> Along the um, some of the things that you're doing, what um, do you have any initiatives? Anything that you're you're really pushing out? You're driving towards? You're working in the community with? Do you have anything like that you would like to share? I think right now for us, the biggest initiative is reduce packaging, creating really purposeful products that isn't about creating landfill and waste and things that people don't need. So we've got a massive team in, internally that are always looking at how do we make this really creative, really purposeful, um, attractive on shelf, but it's what someone would be like, yes, I'm going to do that. That's going to add value to my life. I, um, it's playing into like a well-being or um, personal mastery or learning a skill. So the, the big drives for us as a team are like, how do we make even better products? Like what's the purpose behind it? Not just because it's nice and I like to have it and it's just stuff. Uh, we don't need any more stuff. Everyone's got enough stuff. So um, yeah, so that's kind of where we're challenging the team a lot more. Just reduce everything. Like the environment, a big um, process thought process for us, and um, and we're very lucky that we're FSC, which I don't know if you have in the states, but it's it's we do a lot with the forestry commission. So all of our um, wow. wood paper pulp is all um, sustainably sourced. All the way, there's complete supply chain and transparency. I mean, we do a ton of that kind of stuff. And just ethically, environmentally, being um, really, really responsible. But I like that. Really cool stuff. Yeah, that is really cool. Yeah. I like that. Let, um, let me switch gears on you uh, for a second. So I, I heard a rumor, uh, you know, and the internet is, is full of truth. So I'll say I heard a truth. <laughs> <laughs> Did you have an occasion where you taught like a large group of kids, like thousands of kids or something? You taught them a class. What was that? Is that is there any substance to that? Yeah, I, I did do that. I um, when I was younger. Okay, this is a little. I'm going to explain my journey. So I was um, raised a Mormon, and I used to teach at EFY in big university. And I would with those thousands of students, and I would do really cool motivational. Um, teaching and I loved it during the summer and I just engaged with these incredible 18 to 20 year old um, young adults and I found it fascinating and I could see the influence and how much impact positive impact you could have on people's self-esteem the feeling of purpose and worth and I remember it being quite a trigger for me in my life to think okay this is how positively to affect others and it actually I've always pulled all of that um knowledge and that experience and that passion for having a positive influence on others into and um, when i eventually set up my own business so yeah that i have done that to you as a team and i know david's had some technical difficulties um do you guys as a team so you've got you've got the wine and sushi night which david we're going to have to implement immediately uh, like, like tonight, are you making a note for that? Yes. <laughs> Thank Thanks, you. Thanks, Max. I'm going to send you our first bill. That's great. Okay, <laughs> that's fine. That's fine. I can send you my recommendations. There we go. Yeah, yeah, we would love that actually. 
So with everything you're doing, and I still want to go over, I've got, because the you've got so many businesses, I've got questions on all of them. Um, but thinking of AVIC UK, um, what does the future hold? You know, we've been through a pandemic, we're going through the world's in a strange place. We're going through elections. We, you know, the needle for the world is all over the place. But what are you guys looking for in the future? Or what are you driving towards? Anything you can share with us? Absolutely. So interestingly, I had a silent shareholder that during the pandemic I actually bought out. So it's not all bad news. And so now I 100% own the company. And we have big ambitions to grow. So we already do work with US retailers and Australian retailers and UK retailers. So we have loads of plans to grow and develop our portfolio of customers. Um, I'll, I'll get on a plane as soon as I'm allowed to. But the, the passion and the drive is to create um, offices within just geographical areas that are all quote English speaking countries that we can really we understand the culture, the product fit and, and, and the aspiration is to grow and develop within those markets. So we have great ambition and fundamentally we want to be an, an unbeatable company. We know that we do um, the products that we do really, really well and we are significant category champions and category managers for our strategic partners and for our, our retailers and consumers it's just growing and growing and growing and um so yeah so that's the ambition we're a little ambitious company um so i might be coming over to visit you and we'll do that sushi and wine night in person that would oh, be awesome I, I, would, would be I would like that i would like that yep and so you said you were raised a mormon and your sister is in utah right yeah Okay, so what does she do? Is she part of your organization or is she separate? No, so she's separate. So I'm one of seven. You're one um, of seven. So wow. Seven kids. Yeah, we're all over the world. Um, but my sister obviously is English like me and um, her husband is over there and, and works and they've lived and worked over in the States probably about 15 years. So they're actually American citizens and, um, and she loves it over there. I mean, um, so she works and has a recruitment company and um, again, she's really smart. She's actually a lot smarter and kinder than me. So um, maybe you need to be interviewing her instead. Oh, <laughs> she's, she's an awesome great. person. That's a lot wonderful. of respect for her. That's great. So you know, let me ask you this. One thing I always want to know is who is one of your favorite authors? Like, do you have a favorite author or a favorite quote or something like that? Um, I kind of alluded to it, but um, I love Ray Dalio and Principles. That book is my number one. Yeah. But um, the person that was probably, again, from probably many people was Steve Jobs. And I have it right in front of me. You can't see it, but over here it says, stay hungry, stay foolish. It was game changing for me. When I heard that, that's when I went and handed in my notice in the other company that I worked for and had that CEO in and I came home and that's when I went, okay, now I'm not going to be led by others' dogma and think, thinking. I'm going to do it for myself. And um, that 2005 was it Stanford commencement speech? Game changing for me. Absolutely game changing. Wow. Um, so I have many authors that I adore. There's another book, um, Solve for Happy. I think it was the ex um, Google COO. But I, I I read all the time. But Ray Dalio Principles is my number one. I mean, it's like this thick, right. this thick. You yeah. can dive into it, and it's life and work. That's what I like. It's, it's yep. fallible, it's flawed, but it's I've only gotten through like half work. of it. It's, it's, yeah. it's 
it's a long read. Biblical. <laughs> yeah, <it's laughs> biblical in, in proportions. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. So yeah, they're kind of the ones that like. Yep. But there was another one as well. There's that you know I was saying about captains. There is is it captains class? I can't remember the author, but um, that's really really cool. It's an American writer, and he and he says he's looked at all of these different teams, and what made the difference was always the captains, and he does it scientifically. So he researches teams what oh, made them great for a long time and it's called the captain class it's really really good read it's really smart when it comes to applying those principles to um, business and to team building that's fantastic that's great so if you or let me ask you this let me ask it this way perhaps how do you develop i mean mark touched on it you you do a lot of blending between home and work, right? In terms of, of how do you develop the best culture, the most healthiest culture? A, because your people are happier, right? You're happier, your people are happier, but B, they produce more, right? When people are happier, they, they produce more. And when crises happen, when a dumpster fire happens, nobody thinks twice about putting it out. Nobody thinks twice. Nobody goes, oh, five o'clock, I got to go. Let me slide down the dinosaur (laughs) and get on out of here, right? Nobody thinks like that. They think we have to put this dumpster fire out, right? And they do what it takes to do that. So what's the the key to that? How do we do that? So you create a a we and not a me. So when we created the culture, it became a we. And we sat down as an entire team and said, let's write a charter. And everyone oh, you wrote added, a joint charter. Yeah, it's hilarious. Cool. I should send it to you. It's That's like, really cool. I would love to that see that, cool. actually. Oh, that is goodness. a great idea. I mean, it's, it's much more meaningful than a mission statement on a website, right? Because everybody has yeah. that, where we want to be the biggest, the best, the most company, the most customer-centric, blah, blah, blah. It's like, blah, whenever blah, I blah, see blah, somebody blah. that says oh, yeah, right, the most right. customer-centric, that means your employees are at least number two. Like your employees have to be number one, then the customer, right? Because your, your employees are part of you. Yeah. So we made this customer chart and we said, here is what, we believe you will succeed if these, you do these things and you won't succeed yeah. if you do these things. And everyone like influenced it and we all agreed and we actually printed it out and everyone signs their name to it. Oh, that's Anyone who joins the company all idea. signs their name to this charter. And there are things on it like, great idea. Don't, don't, we don't huff and you will unload the dishwasher. If the dishwasher needs unloading, we all roll our sleeves up and we'll unload the dishwasher. So there are some really simple things and then there's big values. Like if someone makes a decision, we all get on board with that decision. And so that's what I really like is I didn't have to create the culture. We created the culture. And so therefore they own it, they self-regulate, they peer-to-peer adopt um, behaviors. They'll be like, oh no, no, we don't do that around here. I don't have to say it. They will say that to each other. Oh, oh no, no, no! We don't have around here. If if we're asking to do something, we all get on board. So everybody has a sense of ownership, then. Yeah. Right. Everybody well, is accountable. It. Everybody owns it. Everybody is accountable. That's excellent. Yeah. I love that. Mark, we are developing a charter. <laughs> I'm getting my. I'm they going out right after me. this meeting, and I'm buying parchment. I like that. No. And a quill pen. As long, as long as it includes wine and sushi night, man, I'm all in. <laughs> that, that'll be section 15.4. <laughs> yeah. 
Exhibit A, subtitle B. Exhibit A, subtitle And then the next one after that is, and always invite Shakespeare. Yes, that's right. That's right. We'll always always pay our dues to the uh, to the to the Queen of Branding, Bex. <laughs> so I apologize for my technical difficulties, but uh, but I've I've been back. But as we wind down, first of all, thank you so much for your guidance. You really have a remarkable company, and I, I'm really impressed with it. I mean, it that, is really fantastic. Cool. Yeah. Um, I know that there's one question that Mark always asks as we wind down, and, I, and I'm curious oh, to hear it. So. I always like to uh, I like to bring it in and I like to get real deep at the end and you know, really get in there and really get to know somebody and ask meaningful questions like as a little girl what did you want to be when you grew up? Oh my goodness, I know the answer to this one. Yeah. So, yay! Um, you don't have top of the pops in the states, but it's like a, a cool um, chart show, and I wanted to be a backing dancer. <laughs> I just wanted to be a back. That was my ambition: a backing dancer to like famous pop stars. That's um, cool. cool ambition. I don't know if it's working for me, but you know, in you my never head, know. no, there's still no. time, right? Yeah, you still got yeah. time. Hey, what are you like? Twenty-eight? You still got time? Yeah, I'm Mark and I don't have I've, I've got time. this. You send me that. Mark and I are kind of running out. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, well, Bex, thank you so much. It was really a pleasure to meet you. And again, I encourage everybody to go to your website. This is really a great culture. This is a great brand. And for those, now that you're moving some business into the U.S., um, you know, we've got a go-to person to help develop a brand and develop a value and develop an organization from uh, from scratch. So we'll we'll definitely keep you in mind, and it certainly won't be the last time we talk. Well, thank you both. For all the compliments, too. Oh, absolutely. They're all well-deserved. <laughs> That's great. Well, thank well, you Bex, so much. Have a wonderful evening, and thank you so much. Thank you. Take care. Thank Bye. you. Bye. Mark and I want to take a moment and thank everyone that listens and subscribes to our podcast. It means a lot. We're truly trying to make this one that we ourselves would find interesting and find entertaining. Um, if you have any questions, comments, concerns, or ideas for subjects, great brands that have risen and fallen, great case studies, or fantastic guests that you'd like to see, please reach out to us. Brandology Podcast Staff at gmail.com. That's Brandology Podcast Staff at gmail.com. Hey, David, that was another great episode. We tend to post one or two a week. Uh, unfortunately, don't really have a way of wrapping this up. No, uh, no, we really don't have anything formal or fancy or technological. Um, thank you for listening. Please follow and subscribe. Turn notifications on so that when we post the next episode, you will be notified of the new content. Thanks, everyone, for listening. We really appreciate it. Everyone, thanks for listening. Bye.